All right, folks, welcome to part three of the Take the Points College Football Podcast Bowl Spectacular. We've gotten through a lot of the, uh, the, the chaff. The chaff is the bad part of the wheat, right? We've gotten through a lot of the chaff, and we're on to the minuscule amount of wheat that is in this bowl season. And this is part three. Last time we went up through December 29th, which is actually today when we're recording. So we're coming in hot and we're starting with the December 30th games. And we're going to talk about the first round of the playoff. So we know what everybody wants to hear and it's those two playoff games. So I think we're going to do a semi-speed round and get through the rest of the stuff. Because based on the previous bowls, everything's been so unpredictable bad. A few of the games have been good, but um, most of the action and the highlights for me have been stuff that didn't involve the actual on field. So before we start, I do want to throw it to the two of you, Dan and Ryan, to see what's your highlight so far. Mine by far is the giant pop tart going into the toaster and coming out as an edible giant pop tart. What about you guys? That's the one. Tom, there's nothing else worth talking about. That's that's it. Good. And uh, I heard a great mashup where somebody mixed mixed two of my favorite memes, which is the Pop-Tart guy with uh, Hire by Creed as he's going into the toaster. So well done there. We can basically shut down the internet now because it's peaked. And uh, with that out of the way, I'm going to throw it to my co-host Dan Partridge out in Phoenix, Arizona. Give us... The games, the lines, all of the info, and we'll make some quick picks, and let's get to the playoffs as soon as we can. I like it, Tom. That's a smart move. Uh, Yeah, let's blast through these first eight games so we can spend 90 minutes talking about Washington. Uh, All right, so here we go. Uh, Peach Bowl, Penn State, Ole Miss. Um, Penn State minus five now, total 50 and a half. Opt-out news. Penn State, really the only player missing is going to be uh, Chop Robinson, the edge, who's uh, declared for the draft. And Ole Miss um, really doesn't have too much uh, edge. Uh, Cedric Johnson is their most notable opt-out. But everyone else is playing. Um, For Ole Miss, I see Jackson Darts definitely playing. They're running back Jenkins. Um, They're pretty – like, of all the games so far – this game has the fewest opt-out, opt-outs with high-ranked teams, so actually excited to watch this one. Um, all right. Um, obviously, being a Penn State game, Tom, you get first crack. Go ahead. Sure. So Penn State doesn't have a ton of opt-outs. I believe their tight end, Theo Johnson, he's declared for the NFL draft. I think he's sitting this one out, too, which on paper doesn't seem to matter, but he's been the sort of security blanket for Drew Aller on critical third down passes. So if he's not playing, we'll miss him. Their other tight end just declared for the draft too. So I don't know what his status is. If they actually end up playing without both tight ends, I think that puts a cramp in the offense, which is already impaired. But yeah, a lot of guys coming back. Penn State's greatest um, missing factor, I think will be the fact that Manny Diaz is now gone and they don't have either coordinator for this game. So five seems like a lot for a team that is being coached by, you know, assistance and um, doesn't seem to care and is looking forward to next year. I think they'll come out strong, but I think Ole Miss will also come out strong. This game to me seems like it should be more of a pick 'em, and therefore I'm going to take the points. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm confident Penn state can maybe get it done. I think it's probably a three point game one way or another, but, um, taking the points seems to make sense to me. I don't know a single Penn state fan who feels good about this. Most Penn state fans I've talked to think they're going to lose or at least not cover. So, you know, they're looking to next year. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. I don't think Penn state can score. And Ole Miss is just going to, they're going to keep running. They're going to keep throwing. Like it's Ole Miss. It's lame. Like he's going to have some stuff. And I just don't think Penn State can keep up at all. Um, I think this one could potentially actually get ugly. Like I think Ole Miss beats him like 38 17. No, no. They've only played, Ole Miss has only played two defenses to this caliber and both of them shut them down. So I think a low scoring game makes sense to me. This is an interesting game. Um, surprised that the spread is rose in Penn State's favor, to be honest. Um, I think both teams um, are very similar. They always win the games they're supposed to and lose the games they're supposed to as well. I don't know if Penn State's any good at all. I don't know if they're the 10th best team or the 35th best team, to be honest. They played two hard games the whole year, lost them both. Ole Miss, kind of the same thing. I mean, they play Alabama, they lose, you know, but they find a way to squeak wins against other SEC teams. I don't think it's going to be an Ole Miss blowout, but I don't like Penn State either. I lean Penn State being not good more than anything else, and I really like Ole Miss in the five. A little sprinkle on the money line, but Ole Miss plus five, strong confidence on my end. Okay, let's continue on here. We have the trans perfect music city bowl from nashville tennessee nissan stadium auburn against maryland auburn a six and a half point favorite in this game um obviously a lot of opt-out news from this one maryland is going to be missing uh to a junior he's uh sitting out for the draft which is which is funny but not as funny as joe milton which we'll get to later i'm gonna save my um, my sitting out rant for joe milton but it, know that when we get yeah. to it it applies to him as well not great they have a slew of other opt-outs uh their tight ends out uh, best linebackers out best corners out a lot of maryland nonsense on the auburn side um not too much they have one wide receiver sitting out but everyone else is basically a backup player um I'll start this one. I agree that the line is getting bigger. Uh, you have an SEC team uh, with a first-year head coach who wants to get a win in a bowl to put a nice cap on the first year. Uh, motivation definitely with Auburn. I don't think uh, Maryland has any motivation whatsoever. Um, give me the SEC team with fewer opt-outs with a motivated head coach. And I think Auburn um, is for sure upset that Alabama is in the playoff and they should have put them away. And I feel like this is a good kind of redemption spot for them. So lay it with Auburn and uh, medium confidence on this one, Ryan. Uh, strong confidence uh, over here on Auburn. Like you said, Dan, two freeze, the difference between seven and six and six and seven doesn't seem like much, but that is a massive, massive deal down there. So that's the biggest motivating factor for me is that Hugh Freeze does not want to finish his first year six and seven. He wants to be seven and six. Maryland's missing all their players. To me, this is an easy high confidence in Auburn. So 
So I don't have much to add as you guys um, really covered it to a T. Perfect analysis by both of you. I also have a strong confidence in this one that Auburn has something to prove and Maryland doesn't. And Maryland, it should be noted, has added incentive to bet against them, has really fallen off the second half of the season. So even with their players, uh, I mean, uh, Tua Jr. missed a little bit of time. And we saw what happened when he was out um, and when he's been out over the last couple of years. They look bad. And they've looked bad the second half of the season after a somewhat hot start. And they're fading. Auburn's, you know, looking to next year. Strong confidence in Auburn in this one. One of my favorite picks. Very good. Okay, let's move on to the Orange Bowl. Uh, Georgia versus Florida State. Um, Georgia's ballooned all the way up to a 20-point favorite in this game. Total 44.5. Things not looking good for Florida State. Uh, Their big ACC... um, Title win against Louisville doesn't look so hot after Louisville got trucked in a bowl game. Um, they have no good players. Their whole team's opting out. And they're playing Georgia, who's pissed off and really only missing Brock Bowers and one offensive lineman. This has the potential to get extremely ugly. Um, also, if for some reason the bad Florida State quarterback gets hurt. They have no other quarterbacks and will be forced to play Wildcat the rest of the game. Not great against Georgia. I can't think of much of a much uh, of a worse team you're going to try to run Wildcat with than against Georgia. It's just not going to work. Minus one every carry guaranteed. Um, look, I am rooting for Florida State because uh, in our little um, college football um pool that we do a lot of people have georgia as a five point pick and i did not put them as five so i'm hoping there's a way florida state can cover but i don't see it this feels like 49 nothing um this is bad ryan go ahead damn it dan you took my pick i had 47 nothing was my number so yeah i'm i mean i would love to see florida state you know, have a miracle, keep the game close into like mid third quarter. I just cannot see any scenario at all that, uh, that Florida state even scores a point in this game. So yeah, take the shutout prop. If you can find that, that's a fun one. You'll get some good number on that. So go ahead and do that. Tomsey. So I defended Florida State the last couple of games of the season when they didn't have Travis, and I thought the defense still played really well, and they looked good as an overall team minus the quarterback position. But all those guys are now sitting out. So the one thing that would have made this an interesting game is gone. The only question is, will Georgia show up? And Carson Beck's coming back. As you said, not a ton of opt-outs. They're pissed off. They want to prove that they were a playoff caliber team. I think they probably do at least for a half or three quarters. And that's probably enough to get them at least to 27 points, which makes a cover because Florida state's not scoring more than like six in this game maximum. So I think you have to pick Georgia. My question for you guys quickly is Florida state seemed like a real um, turnaround for the program or making the leap this year. And what's happened in the last month gives me pause about the future of this program. And like, did they just peak and we just saw the collapse? 
do you guys think that Florida State will be back next year or you think that they're losing too much, screwed over in the playoff? Like, was this their shot? No, because they had the number one portal class last year and they've proven they can do that again. It's Florida State. Like, they're going to get guys and they're going to reload. They might not be this good, but they're going to be competitive and a top 10 program for for the foreseeable future, I think, because they just they have the ability to crush the portal. And, you know, I think that matters. <laughs> All right. Well, as a team that's probably going to be in the Big Ten soon playing my beloved Penn State, I don't know if I like that or not, but, you know, I hope Norvell can keep it going. It's They've been a nice, fun story this year. I think they'll be okay long-term. Next year, they'll take a step back for sure, but they're, they're losing too much. Um, but obviously it's nice to see Florida state relevant again. And they're one injury away from being in the playoff. And we're talking about them playing Michigan uh, or I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe they'll win third. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, um, actually they probably would have been third anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Sure. Let's move on here. So you would think the orange bowl is the last game for Saturday, but you'd be wrong because the answer to that would be the Barstool Arizona Bowl from Tucson between Toledo and Wyoming, where Wyoming is now a three and a half point favorite, total 44 and a half. I love this game. Um, we got Toledo quarterback um, Daquan Finn, uh, transfer porter, portal not playing. Now, uh, the running back uh, recently. Um, also went in the transfer portal, uh, Penny Boone, with like 1,500 yards this year. Not sure if he's going to play or not. I'm saying no. Um, Toledo coach Jason Candle, 0-5, ATS, all-time in bowls. Playing Wyoming. West Coast team, hard-hitting, running, run the ball, defense. And Craig Bull, it's his last game as head coach. Look, this is too easy. Wyoming's winning this game. Go ahead. I don't know if they cover. They might kick a field goal to win or some bullshit, but I'm sure Wyoming's winning this game. Go ahead and put Wyoming money line in all your parlays. Parlay them with whatever you like for the semifinal games. Easy pick, right? Yeah, Dan, you nailed it. It's it's Wyoming. I love Wyoming in this spot. Uh, I do want to go ahead and I'll just – put this out there this game will be on the cw network uh home of live golf so it kind of makes sense that those assholes from barstool would be on the same network as those assholes from lives it's just too perfect cw just gathering all the all the dickheads and just putting them on their network they love it so love wyoming let's do this I'm glad you did that because uh, I do believe that Barstool did 9-11, so I can't support them. Uh, this reminds me of the Mike Leach game from last year where Mike Leach passed away and, Dan, you were like, Mississippi State's winning this bowl game. I don't know how it happens. And they really got outplayed and, and didn't do that well, but then fate intervened and gave them a three-point win. So I feel like the same kind of karma is coming Wyoming's way. My only concern would be do they get – do they win by three and a half or only by three? So I think your worst case scenario is they win by three and don't cover. So, you know, 
I'll do a flyer on that half point and I'll, uh, I'll bet Wyoming on this one. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Let's go to January 1st. Nice job by us today. Moving quickly through the uh, shit bag game so far. Haven't got off topic and talked about nineties uh, rock yet. But Not yet, it but it's coming right now. So get ready. <laughs> okay. We've got the real quest bowl, Wisconsin LSU from the big pirate ship. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. LSU is a 10-point favorite, total 55.5. Opt-outs galore. Obviously, Jaden Daniels. Who knows if the two LSU wide receivers are going to play or not. Who knows if it's a soft opt-out and they play one quarter and stop. Not sure. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, they're running back. Allen, transfer portal. Both teams have a ton of transfer portal and opt-outs. There's no way to know what's going to happen this game. Z, you start this one. Yeah, this is where I begin my rant, which we'll conclude in the next game about the transfer portal has just fucked everything up from a viewer perspective. I understand it's better for the players and I support them in that endeavor. But as a viewer, like this would have been easy money on LSU had Jaden Daniels played. There's no line high enough where I wouldn't have laid it with um, that LSU offense, Daniels and neighbors and all them against this dog shit Wisconsin team. Now with their backup quarterback, um, I forget his name, but that stiff white dude, is he going to be as dynamic? And Newsmeyer. Newsmeyer. So he actually actually looked okay last year when he came in in a few spots for Jaden Daniels. And um, he's uh, he's no Jaden Daniels, of course, but he looked okay. So I have to just assume that LSU is still going to be capable of offensive output and Wisconsin's still going to be bad. So I do like this, but God, I wish Daniels was playing. I would, I would watch the shit out of this game and lay like a first half line, a full game line. It would be so much better. Even a lopsided game would be better without the opt-outs. So this has ruined college football bowls officially. Ryan. Uh, Yeah, I'll keep this short and sweet. There's a team that exists below the Mason-Dixon. I'm going to go ahead and take that team. Moving on. Correct. Speaking of the team south of the Mason-Dixon, is it a confirmed that Coach O has signed on to be some sort of recruiting assistant for the Florida Gators? That was rumored like two weeks ago, and everyone thought that was like – I haven't Back, heard that but. officially. I've heard him rumored to 15 different teams in the last month, including it was like, like it. people were showing him in a Baylor uniform being like, he's the new DC at Baylor. Of course that never happened. So I guess that's probably, that would be great. I mean, if you can get coach O as a recruiter, that's really a huge win for any team. Real quick. Uh, since we're making good time and we're on the coaching thing, what do you guys think about this rumor that if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, that Brian Kelly is going to take that job, that he would leave LSU to go to Michigan? What do you guys think of that? Well, I guess my response would be LOL. I mean, I'm a Penn State fan, so I think this would be awesome. Get Harbaugh out of there and get in Brian Kelly. I would love it. Be phenomenal. Um, okay. Um, we don't have official word on that yet, but um, look out for Ed O to, to be returning to college football in some 
some form next year. Dude, right, if he my- if he sings won't back down in his Ed O voice, that'll be the funniest thing ever. Oh, I won't burn down. Stand me up at the gates of hell. We can only hope. All right, here's my pick for this game. I don't trust Brian Kelly, and I don't trust 10 points and all those opt-outs. I think this is a roll-the-dice game. I'm going to close my eyes and bet Wisconsin and try not to pay any attention. Actually, I'm not going to watch a minute of it. I'll do that. I'll, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Normally, I like watching these games early, but I'm just too nervous for the semifinal games this year, so I'm going on a, uh, a blackout until the Alabama-Michigan game kicks. Okay, let's move on. Two more games to go. We got the Liberty Bowl. No, sorry. It might as well be. It's the Fiesta Bowl featuring Liberty and Oregon. Oregon minus 16 and a half. Total 67 and a half. Liberty, nice undefeated season. You get a nice uh, New Year's Day, big Fiesta Bowl, big paycheck for the university. Thumbs up there. Oregon, you fucking losers. You ended up in the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty. Ha, 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 ha. Love it. Um, Bo Nix is playing. Nobody else's. Bucky Irving out. Uh, Tez Johnson or Franklin. One of those two just opted out yesterday. Um, this game's terrible. Oregon with Bo Nix in the backups should still wax Liberty. I would love to see Oregon struggle in this game. I've become an Oregon hater over the past two months, and I'm really enjoying it. You're still bitter um, about the uh, Twitter comments, aren't you? No, I love them. I wish they would come come them even more because they are so fraudulent. Um, so you're going to take liberties straight up then? No, I'm not even going to bet this game. This is going to be an NA on the on the group text thread. Um, anyway, uh, gun to my head, uh, I'll take the over, but I don't like it. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. I actually love Oregon in this spot. I think they're actually going to smack them. Um, I have no problem laying this the 16 and a half. I have a high, high confidence on Oregon in this spot. I think that uh, Bo Nix is still trying to like convince people he could be a first-round quarterback, and I think they're going to let him throw it like 65 times in this game. So I think Oregon puts up a bunch of points. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, um, I'm glad that Bo Nix is playing in terms of betting Oregon. Because he's really the the linchpin there, and they have talent everywhere. Whatever receivers and running backs come in, they'll be a little rusty. They'll need a, a quarter to adapt, but they've got just as much talent as whoever's starting now. So Oregon's never short on talent or depth, and so I'm not worried about it. Liberty, it's been a fun story, but they're not in the same league. Whenever, When in doubt, always pick the big-time blue blood high talent program over the little guy who makes it into the New Year's Six. You're going to be wrong once in a while, but for the most part, most of these end up like that Georgia-Hawaii game where they just get waxed. So that's my bet. Oregon, big time, 46 to 17. Good pick. I mean, you know, anything can happen in football. It'd be a big win for Liberty to uh, to uh, find a win over the third best team in the Pac-12. That'd be a <laughs> good job by them. By the way, Dan, Arizona's going to win the Big 12 next year and make the playoff. I know. They're so good. They're really good. They're so fun. Um, Fafita, Heisman, yeah. odds. I want uh-huh. all I want all the futures on Fafita, Heisman. This is our Tinder. I'm calling it now Tinder team for next Might year. Might be Arizona. Yeah, I think so. Which is funny because 
I went to the Washington Arizona game this year. It was all full circle. I saw the first Noah Fafita game in person. I'm like, why? Why is he going up and down the field? What's going on here? Um, yeah, who, who would have thought that turned out to be a really good one to go to? Um, okay, uh, last non-playoff game, and it is a fucking doozy. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl from Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, pits the Iowa Hawkeyes, the 10-3 and Iowa Hawkeyes, who got shut out in their conference championship game, as expected. Uh, against Tennessee, uh, Tennessee minus six total, thirty-five and a half. Um, the big news in this game is that Joe Milton is opting out to prepare for the NFL draft. That is not a typo. Um, there's not much to even say here. I have no joke that is large enough to describe that. Um, Tom, will you take Iowa in the points? And how many points is Iowa going to score? I need these two number. I need these two answers now. Yes. I will take Iowa and the six and a half, which I expect to be seven by game time. I will take them in a touchdown. They're going to lose 13 to seven, but that will be good enough to cover the game. I'll take an under, obviously. And why don't you guys pick before I spend five minutes ripping on Joe Milton? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Just just go, go right, right ahead. All right. All right. Fuck it. We just talk about Bo Nix, who's actually going to be a draft pick. I mean, he'll probably be like a third or fourth round by the time the draft rolls around. But he's playing because he's got something to prove. Joe Milton is not getting drafted. I'm sorry to say it. It is not happening. He's going to be an undrafted free agent who goes to like, I don't know, Arizona's training camp and gets caught and tries out for another team and will be on the Argonauts or like the Rhine fire by September of next year. He is not taking one snap in the NFL ever. So the fact that he's in year six, bouncing around all these programs, struggling, finally finding his spot at Tennessee and being the guy. And this is like the culmination of a six year career. He should be thrilled to play in this game. This should be like his giant send off before he goes over to like Knoxville Kia. But for some reason he's sitting out, which is just laughable and pr- probably the best example of how the transfer portal has fucked up the game And also, um, we talked about this with Kyle McCord in our last show, but of like some guys just, it's messed with people's brain. Some guys like don't understand their value and they've, they've, uh, oversold themselves like McCord asking for more money at Ohio state and a guarantee of the starting job and then finding himself starting at Syracuse next year. Um, but here's what I want to say. I've been thinking about this over the last 24 hours and part of me has flipped Maybe this is a great reverse psychology by Joe Milton because um, he's opting out. He's preparing. He's going to go around telling you, like, I'm ready to be a, you know, second, third round pick. And nobody's going to do that. But maybe when it comes to like Mr. Irrelevant or like late seventh round, somebody be like, Joe Milton. Well, he's got some size. He's got a big arm. He opted out. So he must be talented. I don't know how he slipped down. Like one team is going to now make a mistake 
and draft him at the end of the seventh round. So it's a it's a big gamble for Joe Milton giving it's gonna up. It's going to be my Steelers, by the way. It's going to be the, it's going to be my Pittsburgh oh, Steelers. Just uh, go ahead and mark yeah, that down. Uh, yeah, Cordell's going to Cordell's going to put in a phone call for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Dan. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is going to be bad. So anyway, um, he's giving up basically what should be the culmination and greatest moment of his career on this like huge gamble that it'll pay off and boost him into the draft. So I guess I respect the hustle. I don't think it's going to work out for him, but uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Ryan, pick this game. Uh, Under is definitely a pick. And then I'm going to go ahead and just say, I think Heupel is the better coach in this spot. And he'll come up with a, some creative plays here and there. Um, so I'm going to take Tennessee in this spot if I had to take anybody. But I think this might be like 20 to 10. It's going to be terrible. And I love the, the scheduling of this game before the two semifinal games. So you have to pay 0.0 attention to this game, which is great. Ryan? We almost forgot to say this is the code. This is the Spurrier Bowl because you can't spell citrus without UT. Without UT. Oh Tennessee my God. Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl, full circle as Spurrier intended. I got so caught up with my thoughts on Jill Milton, I forgot. Good. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, this is, this is so funny. Now I think UT will win it for sure. Yep. That's oh. the only reason I'm taking them. <laughs> Excellent angle right there. Uh, uh, a couple of thoughts. One, the Steelers will take Milton because they already took Josh Dobbs from Tennessee once. And since he was a hot name this year, they're going to redeem themselves by taking Milton. They can't pass on a former Michigan quarterback who played at Tennessee. He's now they got to gotta, Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a double blue butt. Yeah, blood. This is 100%. Well, the, the thing is now they'll have to sign him to a six-year contract to make sure that he That's doesn't right. like leave the team and then become good. Looking forward to it. Uh, second of all, Ryan, earlier on a previous podcast, you said, didn't you send us something to fade Utah State? Well, I did. And that would be that Spencer Petrus has transferred to Utah State. And just his transfer hmm. commitment to Utah State cost them this bowl season, put enough stink on the program that they laid an egg in a home game and got blown out. Uh, as for my pick on this game, the pick is Tennessee. Their backups will score on Tennessee. Tennessee can't score on anybody, or uh, Iowa will not score on anybody. So lay it with Tennessee. I don't care who's playing quarterback. The backup who's coming in for Tennessee was the second highest ranked quarterback last year behind Arch Manning coming out of high school. And this is his first start. So uh, SEC over Big Ten all day, every day. Might be an upgraded quarterback. Actually. They're, they're going to be better. Yeah, I know. It's not that bad. Okay, gentlemen, we've went through 40 garbage bowls. <clears throat> some were entertaining. Some were hilarious. They had some good things. But now it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. Game one, Michigan versus Alabama, Rose Bowl, New Year's Day, 5 o'clock Eastern. I mean... What else could you really ask for in these two games we're about to talk about? Absolutely A-plus stuff. Michigan, undefeated, 
beat Penn State, beat Ohio State, shut out Iowa, did everything they were supposed to, overcame two suspensions from Harbaugh, never really had too much of a sweat in a game this year. The Ohio State game was as close as it ever was. Um, J.J. McCarthy looks like a capable quarterback. That mock, that mock draft we saw had him at number one is incorrect, but he is still the best Michigan quarterback in a minute. Blake Corum, you know, Edwards, the defense, X, Y, and Z. Take on Alabama, who found a way to make it to the playoff by completing a miracle pass against Auburn after losing to Texas at home by double digits. They have a miracle win against Auburn. Play the unbeatable Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC title game and beat them. Beat them pretty good, actually. Uh, they were up 10 and gave up a backdoor score to cut it to three, but they played amazing. Milrow over the past two months has been incredible. Uh, one interception, something like 21 combined rushing and passing touchdowns. You got Harbaugh, you got Saban. Both coaches get a month to prepare for this game. So many storylines. Ryan has tipped his uh, cap a little bit where he's leaning on this in a previous episode. We'll get to that in a second. But since Michigan's involved, I want Tom to start this one. Sure. Well, I struggle where to start. And even now, though I've been thinking about it for a month, I still struggle with what I think the outcome would be. I've picked Alabama to win the national championship from week one. I'm going to stick with Alabama winning this game and advancing to the national championship. And I'm going to take a few minutes and try to break down why, because I don't want my uh, noted hatred of Michigan to color this or for people to think that's the reason I'm picking it. So I'm, I'm going to get into the breakdown. Michigan has played really well. They've dominated everyone. I think Rutgers was their closest game this season. Um, so they played really well. And the way they've done it is with solid fundamental uh, winning in the trenches and run game and stopping the other team's run and just, just old school, tough football. And that's awesome against 131 teams in division one. I should say 130, but there's two teams that that really doesn't work well against. And that's Alabama and Georgia. There's been so many times over the last 10, 15 years where we've seen highly touted running backs and run games go into Alabama and just get stuffed. I've been thinking about a lot about the Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry game recently because of the bills signing Fournette. That was a case that was similar where they had the star running back and great offensive line. And it's like, Oh, they're going to be able to actually compete with Alabama. And Fournette just got totally bottled up and Blake Corum and Edwards are not Fournette. And LSU, believe me, had just as good of a defensive line at, or offensive line as Michigan does now. So I feel like their one strength, the one thing they've built their whole team around is not enough to beat this Alabama team. They'd, they'd stack up well against Texas, Washington, Florida State, anyone else. And that's why you saw that reaction from Michigan when they drew Alabama and uh, that's not who they wanted to play. Um, so their key to winning, the only thing that really ever beats Alabama, is outstanding quarterback play. Spe specifically dual threat mobile guys like Johnny Manziel, 
um, you know, Ole Miss quarterbacks who've been able to beat them. Um, Texas Tech, I forget who beat them, but he was uh, Calzada. He was going crazy in that game. He wasn't great overall, but in that specific game, he was a great dual threat. Uh, Cam Newton, obviously. J.J. McCarthy has the tools to do that, but he hasn't really demonstrated that. He hasn't been called upon this season to be that kind of quarterback in that kind of offense. And so the question is, is Michigan going to stick to what they've done all year, or are they going to come out and be a totally different team that they need to be to be Alabama? Knowing Jim Harbaugh and knowing Michigan and knowing what they're built for, I don't think they have it in them to, I don't think they have the balls to come out and just like throw a flea flicker on the first play of the game or, you know, have McCarthy roll to his right every play or have him do like, um, you know, have him just take off on design runs and things like that. I think they're going to try for half of the game to establish the run and Alabama's incredibly highly recruited defensive class that's playing on the field this year is just going to stuff them every time. And I think Michigan's defense will do all right. Alabama's offense is a lot weaker. And so I think you'll get a really low scoring first half. And I think Alabama is going to win this one solidly, not by a ton of points, but I think it's going to be a solid victory for them. Um, And it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be 24 to 13 or 16 is what I'm thinking. I think, and I think Michigan's offense just gets completely bottled up and I feel for them because again, they would probably beat any other team in the country in this game. So that's my pick. Uh, just, just the greatest coach of all time going against a guy with a suspect bowl record and, uh, the incredible Alabama defense who just does this to teams all the time. Totally fired up. Michigan's acting cocky. Alabama's acting like the nobody believed in us guys. And we know which one wins when that happens. So I'll stop there. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, Tom covered a lot of, a lot of the same points that I would, as far as Alabama defense, taking away the other team's strength, um, you know, trying to make JJ McCarthy beat them by throwing it 45 times. I just do not see that happening. Um, the coaching advantage I think is not talked about enough. And also the coaching advantage of addition by subtraction where that clown Bill O'Brien who tried to tell Milrow to switch positions and that he shouldn't be a quarterback and that he was no good. Uh, I love it. I love the chip on the shoulder. Tom nailed it with the no, nobody believes in us. Somehow Alabama gets to play that card. They get that like one every six years. They get to play that card. And this is their, their opportunity. And I think they beat the bag out of Michigan. I don't think Michigan has any answers whatsoever. I think Alabama, not only can they run the ball, they can throw it a bunch. They go deep. Milrow has, you know, the, the ability to take the, the top off the defense. That's going to open some things up uh, underneath too for some uh, screens and things of that nature. So I love Alabama in this spot. I think they absolutely smash them. I'm going to go ahead and take Alabama 38, Michigan 
17. Let's go. Strong prediction. And I like what you had said as well, Tom. I think it made a lot of sense. That was a good good breakdown there. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go too much in detail on this one. You guys made some great points. Um, this game will be won and lost by J.J. McCarthy. I think we know what we're going to get out of Milrow, the Bama offense, Bama defense, Michigan defense, Corum, Saban, Harbaugh. The big red flag for me is McCarthy, and I don't know if he's good enough to beat this team. Look at some recent kind of box scores for McCarthy. Against Iowa, 22 of 30 for 147. Not great. Against Ohio State, 16 of 20 for 148. Against Maryland, 12 of 23 for 141. Against Penn State, 7 of 8 for 60. He's only thrown for 300 yards one time all year. That was against Purdue. And I just don't know if he's good enough. Now, if he has a Trevor Lawrence-esque game against Alabama where he throws for... If McCarthy throws for more than 250, then I think Michigan can actually win this game. But I don't think he can. Um, I'm going Alabama. I'm going uh, as a, a little bit closer of a game. But I think Alabama is going to win this game 24-20. Uh, to 20. That's my prediction. Um, can't go against Saban with a month off. I mean, he's got like 55 special assistant to head coaches. Every former cast-off coach in college or pro, he has him sitting at home with an iPad watching film just saying, just sit at home. You don't need to no, come to the no, office. No, 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 no. They just said uh, no iPads because they believe Michigan has trying oh, to hack correct. into their iPads. That's true. So they're, they're watching, watching a VHS. real film, like like a movie theater film reel. Like they, that's what Saban has them cut up on. Um yeah, I just uh, I don't think you can bet against Bama in the spot, and um, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited to watch this game, and uh, it's a good appetizer for the main event coming next. So, so you um, just uh, let me just add that you articulated perfectly what I was trying to say about JJ McCarthy. Like, if he plays out of his mind and he plays like a number one pick that we laugh at, then yeah, Michigan can definitely win this game. Um, I don't think it's going to happen based on history. And the other thing I want to add, because we talk about Alabama's great defense, but specifically their defensive backs have been great. Um, some say it's like the best classic cornerbacks they've ever had there. So not only does McCarthy have to play out of his mind, but he has to do it against one of the best secondaries in the country and, you know, an awesome, awesome Alabama secondary. So it's just, it's a lot to ask from anybody. That's correct. Okay. Are we ready? Yes, Here we go. Born ready. It, born at the beginning of this season ready because we've been on this one all year. All-State Sugar Bowl, Louisiana, New Orleans, Texas, Washington, 645 Mountain Time, 845 Eastern, Texas minus four, total 63 and a half. Okay, I'm going to give you a little preview and let you guys pick this one, and then I'll give you my 17-minute breakdown. Um, 
Texas comes in with one loss. They uh, beat Alabama by double digits early this year in September in Tuscaloosa. Uh, given that was with a different uh, sort of Alabama team, but they did beat them by double digits. First uh, double-digit win by an opponent at Alabama, I think in the whole Saban era at Alabama. Extremely impressive win. Besides that, they won every game, except they did lose to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. Um, they capped the year by destroying Texas Tech and then waxing Oklahoma State in the uh, Big 12 title game. Washington have been the cardiac Huskies for the last two months, um, loaded on offense, allegedly a questionable defense, um, close games against Oregon twice, Washington State, Oregon State, Utah, uh, USC, and they find a way to win in um, different ways kind of each time. Um, people who don't follow college football think Washington is TCU from last year, and they're wrong. Um a lot to get to in this one. Um, I like the same word. Go ahead, Tom. You start this one, and we'll go back around. Okay, so there's so much to say about this game. I want Washington to win. They've been our team all year, so let's just get that out front. Like I will be rooting for Washington in this game harder than I've rooted for any you know non-Penn State team probably in like a decade or more. You know, probably since like the Tebow era, I don't think I've wanted any specific player or team that's not my team to win so badly. So let's get that out of the way. Texas is a formidable opponent. Obviously, they beat Alabama. Um, you know, if they end up with a rematch, we can break down why that's a little different or what's changed since then. But let's just look at overall schedule. Texas went into the big 12, which is a much worse conference this year than the PAC 12. And they lost one game and they had some close calls. I mean, they struggled with a Houston team. They beat Kansas state, a good Kansas state team, but it took overtime. They played the aforementioned TCU who's way down from last year. And the, you know, they beat them by three. They beat a shitty Iowa state team by 10 points. So they've looked really good at times like their last game against Oklahoma state and other times they've looked like a, you know, above average team. We know they have a ton of talent. Quinn Ewers is a great quarterback. Um, you know, they wouldn't be here without him. I was just thinking like if he had stayed at Ohio State, Ohio State would probably be in this spot instead of Texas. So uh, big kudos to him. But they've also got talent in the run game um, all over the defense. You mentioned last podcast, the defensive line of Texas looks really good. So They've got guys, but um, Washington, they play in the best conference in football this year. And I, I don't care about the SEC. Like the Pac-12 was the best conference. Arizona's going to go in and win the Big 12 next year. Uh, Oregon, you know, you you make fun of them, Dan, but that's a really good team that they beat twice and, you know, somewhat convincingly, but at least the second time. Um, they beat USC. They beat Utah. I mean, they beat a lot of, well, Utah was a little sketchy this year, but the point is every week they've got a challenge. There's no off weeks. They don't get to play a shitty BYU team or a Wyoming or a Houston or any of that. No room for error. They come through. They had tons of injuries. I mean, uh, McMillan missed a ton of games. Uh, Dylan Johnson was injured. Rome had a punctured lung. So we haven't seen them at full strength, I think, since... Basically what, Dan, week two? 
I mean, I guess they were kind of at full strength for that Oregon game or, you know, approaching full strength, but this is the first time they're really at full strength. And so take into account all they did all season. And now they're even better with more time to prepare with the coach of the year, coaching them. And they're also the team of destiny. You say they're not TCU, but the one thing they do have in common with TCU is that they've got that like karma destiny on their side. So, um, I'm going with Washington because I believe that they have the skill players who are the most clutch, who get it done in the critical moments, who don't fail under the pressure. Whereas Texas has been a little more up and down. Obviously Texas is great compared to all, almost every single other team and they've accomplished great things. And, you know, it's nice to have them back, but they've been a little shakier. And I think that Washington has just a well-rounded team Penix, but the run game has been awesome. Three great receivers coming into this game. They've got it all, man. And by the way, some high draft picks on defense, uh, that Trice guy is going to be a first round pick. So they don't really have the weaknesses. If, um, football didn't have like an East coast bias or a bigger brand name bias, or if, you know, most of the voters and analysts could stay up past 10 o'clock, I think they would recognize how good Washington's been. So that's the end of my rant. No disrespect to Texas, but like Washington is the team this year for me. Ryan hit it. Yeah. I mean, Tom hit, hit a lot of good points. Um, couple things I want to add on that. I do like Washington in this spot. I'll just go ahead and say that. I picked them to win the national title in the preseason podcast, so I'm going to stick with that. couple things. One, I love the way that Washington has adapted this year and how they've adjusted on the fly. They've become a lot more reliant on Dylan Johnson than they were earlier in the year. I think he's added just an unbelievable dimension to their offense. Um but, you know, we talked about how Texas, you know, impressively beat Alabama and all of that. Well, how did Alabama actually come back in that game? By going deep. They just started letting Milrow chuck it, and that's how they got back in that game and made it a game. And that's Washington's offense, you know, going deep. Texas is known, you know, a lot of people call it DBU, but they don't really have any DBs this year that are scary. You know, they don't, I don't think they have any corners or safeties that are going to go in the top two rounds in the draft. Um, Meanwhile, Washington, we know, has studs at all levels. You know, Dylan Johnson has been great. Rome and McMillan and Polk, we know that. But then the other guys, too, like Westover, who barely got any touches in the Oregon game, I think they're going to go back and look at the film and really, I think they're going to use him in that second level. You know, they probably won't run the ball great. Texas does stand, you know, stop the run really, really well. But I think that they're going to be able to get Texas to commit to the run, and that's going to open up some some stuff behind that those linebackers as they come up to help on Dylan Johnson as they bring extra pressure because they know Penix likes to go deep and that's their weakness. So they're going to have to manufacture pressure that way. And I think that's going to open up a lot of things underneath for guys like Westover. I think Westover is absolutely the X factor of this game. And I think he's going to make a huge difference. I'm absolutely saying Westover TD prop is 
100% the play in this game. He will score in this game. So I like Washington in this spot. I think it's going to be a good close game, competitive game, but I'm going to go ahead and take Washington 37-31 Huskies. Excellent pick, gentlemen. All right, I have so much to say, so please bear with me. I have done more research on this football game than any other football game in my entire life, without a doubt. I've watched the Pac-12 title game twice in full. I watched last year's Alamo Bowl between Washington and Texas. I've read so many articles, listened to podcasts, watched YouTube videos, so many people breaking this game down. And here's what I got. A few things. One, I think Tommy talked about this. If you pick the four teams in the playoffs and say how many of the starting 22 are going to be NFL draft picks, Washington has the highest amount of NFL draft picks of the four teams, which nobody has talked about. Fact two, the big argument for people who are picking Texas is that the Washington pass defense is highly suspect. Okay, I hear you. However, two things. One, they were missing both starting safeties for most of the year, but they both came back against Oregon, made a huge difference. Bo Nix had 165 yards passing going into the last three minutes of the game. Um, And also, when it comes to numbers and stats, sometimes you need to dig a little deeper, and that's what I'm here for you. Washington has like the 90th ranked pass defense in the country. Not great. Take a guess what team in the country faced the most pass attempts of any team in the country this year. Washington. They play in the Pac-12 or teams sling it around, or they've gotten leads on teams like Cal, who throw it on them the entire second half. So even though like they're ranked 90th, they've seen so many plays against them, and that's a lot of good practice and reps, and I think that puts them in a good spot against Texas. I'm not here to discount Texas. Texas has a great offense. Sark is really smart calling plays. He's going to put together some amazing play calls. I think both teams are going to have some really incredible um, splash plays in this game. There's a lot of speed. You know I'm going to side with Washington. I love their offense so much. Healthy McMillan, healthy Odunze. Um, Ryan liked Westover in this game. I really like the fourth wide receiver, Jeremy Bernard, in this game. The argument is that Texas's defensive line will will shut down um, Dylan Johnson, which may be true, but it won't really matter, I don't think. I think you're going to see a lot of quick passes to the outside, spread Texas out. I think that's where Polk, uh, Bernard, and McMillan in particular are going to get a bunch of wide receiver screens, and that's an extension of the run game. Even if they get four yards of the pop, you do that on first down and you set up you know, a second and six, second and five, then all those curl routes and drag routes are all open over the middle of the field. Washington's going to score a lot of points. Texas is going to score as well. The number one X factor for me in this game, and the argument that everyone is talking about, is Texas's defensive line against the Washington offensive line. And this is where I'm here for you guys. Texas has two stud defensive tackles who are going high in the NFL draft. That is not... There's, that, that It's fact, okay? Washington's offensive line just won an award for being the best offensive line in the country. 
but there's more to it. Who coaches the defense for the Texas Longhorns? Pete, like, Kwiatkowski. Who's the offensive line coach for, off, for, for Washington? Scott Huff. Why do I mention these two names? Well, they're both Chris Peterson hires. Chris Peterson hired both these guys in 2006 to coach at Boise State. Scott Hoff ran the offensive line. Texas DC coached coached the the, uh, defense for uh, Boise. They coached together on the same team for 12 years, these two coaches. Scott Hoff knows Pete. And Pete knows Scott Huff. There is an unbelievable amount of, of things that these two know about each other, which is so, so fascinating. Pete's going to have an idea how he was going to want to attack that, that offensive line, but it doesn't work like that. Scott Huff, the offensive line coach for Washington, has the advantage in this situation because he knows what kind of moves um, that Texas's D-line is going to run at them. And that's a humongous coaching aspect that nobody's talking about in this game. Washington will know what Texas is doing on defense in this game for sure. And having that insider info and a month to prepare with Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan, Jaden Polk, Jeremy Bernard, Jake Westover, and Delvin Cup. Good fucking luck. Washington, 51, Texas, 37. Wow. Thank you for that. I mean, that's one of the deepest breakdowns we've had on the show in the whole. I have so much more. I cut half of it out. I mean, I could go on forever. Um, I I would mention, I I just want to mention, like when we talk about defensive line, I know you hate Oregon and you've got a blood feud with the Oregonians now, Dan, but like that's a Dan landing defense. I mean, there, there are no pushovers except Washington did push them around. And especially at the end of that game, when Washington needed to ice it, they ran it to Dylan Johnson every play when they needed, you know, nine yards to get a first down and take knees. They got it with Johnson running to the right. So their offensive line is not going to be afraid of Texas and they're going to go in there and they're at least they're going to compete. You know, we don't know what'll happen, but like it's not some poor little Washington offensive line versus these big, tough Texas guys. Like these are two stout groups that can hold their own. A, a couple other small points. One, um, if Texas was smart, they would run the ball constantly in this game and bleed the play clock down and try to shorten this game. But two things. One, their stud running back is out for the year, the blown ACL. And second of all, Sark will not be able to control himself. Him and Quinn, they will not be able to control himself. Quinn has seven interceptions in the last seven games. Okay. Seven picks against what defenses? Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, Oklahoma. Seven picks? Washington's getting two picks in this game. That's my number. Two. I'm going to find a prop of Quinn Ewers over one and a half interceptions, and I'm betting that. Quinn might throw for 395 and four touchdowns. But if he goes 395, four touchdowns, two picks, and Panix goes 355, three touchdowns, zero picks... Washington wins the game. Um, so keep an eye on the interceptions for Quinn. And, 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 and another thing, I think all these close games has really helped Washington, and they know how to close the game out. Texas, 
really has only had the a, a, a couple like nail biters, and they played inferior competition. And in the Oklahoma game, they just could not get out of their own way in that game. They were sloppy, and they lost that game straight up to an average Oklahoma team. Washington's too good. This is not over for them. They're winning this game. We're going to Houston, and it's on. Um, go Huskies. Ryan, anything else you want to add? No, that's, that is unbelievable in-depth coverage, and uh, I think we all, you know, we all like this spot. All right, folks, um, we're going to wrap it up there unless either of you has anything else you want to say about college football. No? All right, no nonsense this week. These are important games. We've been looking forward to this since week one of the season. I mean, literally, this was our these were our championship picks. Ryan picked Washington to win it all. I picked Alabama. I think Dan picked Michigan, but, you know, quickly his hatred of Michigan has taken over and reversed. But um, we've been on these teams all year, and we've been looking forward to this. So we're excited happy we could break down these games. No matter who wins these two games, you're looking at an awesome championship game. I mean, this is, to me at least, this is the best, like, total four-team playoff. Every other playoff seems to have, like, one bum team who sneaks in and gets waxed the first round. I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. And uh, we'll be back next week, sometime before the national championship game, with another breakdown. That will probably have a lot of insight and a lot of nonsense in that one. So thank you for listening to all three parts of our bowl game uh, extravaganza. Enjoy the playoff. It's an awesome one. And we will be back next week. Bye.